Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wenzel Show, and I am your host and executive producer, Lois Wenzel. Coming to you live this morning from Houston, Texas at 9 a.m. Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, or get reminders of upcoming shows. I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics and spirituality, the coming changes, and the kinds of things that we talk about here on this show. And if you'd like to sign up for the free newsletter, go to hotpinklotus.com. I never share email addresses with anybody. Your privacy is important. Today we have a really interesting show for you. Our guest is Niara Isley, and she is a very well-known writer and um, a media uh, person of interest. She was recently, last week I believe, interviewed on um, that late night show. And so let's open her line and visit with her today. Hello. Hi, Lois. Sarah. Hi. Hi. How did your show go last week? Well, there was some telephone interference, so I was only on for about a half an hour on coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I expect uh, we'll be doing it again uh, in you know sometime in the future. Um, my next big thing, of course, is speaking at the UFO Congress, the International UFO Congress, coming up in Laughlin, Nevada, uh, the end of February. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, am I silly, or do you wonder about those things like interference and what causes oh, it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people thought that it was intentional intentional interference. Um, excuse me, I have a little bit of a cold, so yeah. uh, my voice isn't quite up to speed. Um, but, yeah, some people thought that it was probably intentional interference, and it did seem to be pretty... Uh, synchronistic with going on uh, a really high-profile show like Coast to Coast and then, you know, having interference. Um, Just for instance, I'm using the same phone today that I called, uh, that I used for Coast to Coast, and I don't think you're hearing interference. No. No. Okay. So I guess everybody's going to have to make up their own mind, Um, and I certainly don't encourage people to jump to conclusions. Um. But everybody can make up their own mind inside themselves whether they think that the interference was intentional or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at, earlier you mentioned that there is a relationship between shadow work and aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? Because that's a little confusing to me. Okay. Well, um, One of the things that I look at is that uh, extraterrestrials, uh, I would think at least many of them, are telepathic or might even be more correct to say tel-empathic, you know, Mm -hmm. so telepathic and empathic together. And so when we, if we were to meet an extraterrestrial, um, our whole consciousness, our whole psyche is an open book to them. And that means the parts of ourselves that we repress are then opened up to them, and then because they're opened up to the ETs, they would also be opened up to us. And that would be really disturbing because there's a lot of things that we keep from ourselves. We kind of tend to compartmentalize our consciousness. And so according to the Freudian model, we have uh, the superconscious mind, the conscious mind, and the subconscious mind. And there are a lot of things in the superconscious mind and the subconscious that we're not aware of. And um, so when you would meet an extraterrestrial, that would all come out, and then it can be disturbing to us. And I have a feeling that with the abductions and contactee situations that are going on in the world right now, that the ETs are quite well aware that we have compartmentalized ourselves in this way. And the more that we can open to all parts of who we are, i.e. doing our shadow work, looking into those subconscious places and finding those things that scare us and bringing those to completion, 
then we make ourselves more ready for contact with uh, spiritually evolved, benevolent, extraterrestrial races that I think really we would want to have contact with. So are you talking about individually or collectively facing our shadows? Well, it all starts individually. Each one of us uh, individually has to undertake that shadow work. But um, the more of us that do that and the more of us that delve into those areas, um, we we become a, a small growing collective ourselves and then we become what I call the still small voice of the human collective. You know how they talk about the still small voice that we each have within that tells us when we're on track or off track. Well, a collective, a small collective of people who are doing their shadow work then become the still small voice of the whole human collective. And we and we we're continually by our work um, putting growing exponential pressure on the entire human collective to wake up. So as long as we have parts of ourselves repressed individually and globally Mm -hmm. then we're withholding from ourselves some magnificence magnificence that could be part of us in terms of other beings getting in touch with us and communicating with us Mm -hmm. simply because of our refusal to uh, take out the garbage right right um, we had two really important movies come out. One was uh, What the Bleep Do We Know, which I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening to your show probably have seen. And then uh, a couple years later, uh, the film came out, The Secret. And while The Secret was probably not an intentional uh, sequel to What the Bleep Do We Know, um, it took principles that we learned in What the Bleep about quantum mechanics and the observer effect and how our consciousness affects the reality that we see around us, and then applied it, um, or at least tried to teach people a little bit about applying uh, those principles that they call the law of attraction in our everyday lives. And so this this is really kind of important because this helps us get to the shadow material. So a lot of people got really excited about the secret and they thought, oh, I'm going to attract you know, having all this money or having this great relationship and everything else like that. Well, still now, years since The Secret came out, a lot of people are not realizing that. And that's because uh, deep in the shadow, there are those parts of ourselves that still feel undeserving or unworthy. Um, it's these, these principles that we, we learned in What the Bleep and The Secret have great potential to get people to tap into their shadow self and clear that material so that we can then uh, step into that full magnificence that you talk about, um, so that we can really be conscious creators. And the reason that the human collective is so important, um, that goes to Dr. Dean Rodden's Entangled Minds research. Now, when he did his research uh, with phenomenon like telepathy and uh, quantum entanglement of bodies and minds, um, he would have one person in a uh, a Faraday chamber, I believe, completely insulated from any outside environment. But he would have two people meet. One of them would go into the Faraday chamber and another one would be in a different room. And they would uh, have electrodes and and wires and everything hooked up to both of these people. And then the one outside the Faraday room would be subjected to like a bright light or some kind of stimulus, some kind of poke, and then they would register to see if the person in you know encapsulated in that Faraday chamber would register an effect that happened to the other person because they would have them thinking about each other and um, <clears throat> basically they did find a correlation, and the odds against that being chance were a thousand to one now that's a lot of statistical information that you know, I don't want to spend too much time in in that because <laughs> Sometimes it's kind of beyond people. But um, in all his experimentation, let's just say it was a 1,000 to 1 to billions to 1 against chance for those being random occurrences. Mm -hmm. So if there's that interconnectedness between two people that appear to be separated uh, by such extreme measures, then that interconnectedness applies to the whole human collective. We can't not have it be that way. 
And while Dr. Radden didn't ex- extrapolate for the extraterrestrials, uh, then if if everything is interconnected, then we're connected to the extraterrestrials as well oh and God. a flow never, of information. I never thought of that before. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, thought if they're we're out connected there, to they the exist. cosmos, but to the mm-hmm. aliens? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All so, of them. <laughs> so because that interconnectedness is there, I believe that they're trying to build a bridge in consciousness from their side by doing crop circles, um, by doing the abductions and the contacts that they do oftentimes while people are asleep. Uh, There are increasing numbers of flyovers, um, of craft, uh, all kinds of people. Now because people have digital cameras, they have cameras in their cell phones, people are capturing images of craft all the time, and it seems to be increasing exponentially. So that's, to me, the ETs building a bridge into our consciousness that, yes, we do really do exist, we really are here, despite the fact that your government denies that we're here, we really are here, and we're showing up and we're showing that to you. And the other thing that I noticed, um, I listened to um, a crop circle uh, researcher, um, I can't think of his name right now, but um, he was saying that crop circles are laid down over big uh, underground water tables, aquifers. Mm -hmm. And so the crop circles are laid down over these aquifers, and as we know from the What the Bleat movie and Dr. Emoto's research with uh, putting words on jars of water and changing the the, uh, crystalline structure of the water, these beautiful crop circles with their intricate designs are being laid down over aquifers on the planet. So that water gets into all the water of the entire Earth. And so we drink that water. Could that be yet another way that our consciousness is being raised at this very important time in human history? You know, we're coming really close now to the end of the Mayan calendar, and I don't believe that it's a doomsday event. I believe that it's a consciousness-altering event. I think it's a consciousness-expanding event. Mm, yeah, that's pretty and, much what the Mayans are saying is that right that mm-hmm. we're going to all be in the twinkling of an eye awakened somehow. So yeah. I'm I'm fascinated with the idea of and I'd not heard before that it was that these crop formations were over aquifers, but now I'm thinking that if there's a particular crop formation that just makes your heart sing, maybe it would be a good idea to paste it over your water jar. <laughs> That's a really good idea. That's a really good idea. I like that. I hadn't thought of that one. Hey, it just mm-hmm. popped into my mind. I don't know. I just yeah. channeled these things. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. I think it would be a great idea. I've got a couple of them yeah, in my mind. Yeah, it would be. Uh-huh. So, so um, yeah, go ahead. That kind of brings me to the other thing that, you know, because one of the reasons why I stepped out the way I have publicly, you know, and, and told my story of what happened to me in the military Um, and we can get into that a little later if you like, Um, is because um, I've had to overcome so much fear in my own life. Mm -hmm. Um, Things happened to me in the military that it was very clear that nobody ever wanted me to even remember or talk about. And then when I did start remembering, I spent a number of years being very, very afraid to ever talk about it and then realized that I couldn't go, go on giving my power away to that fear so I had to face the fear. I had to take every scenario, every scary scenario that I was afraid would happen to me and kind of go quiet and visualize myself walking through that situation successfully to the other side and, and deciding if this would, were to happen, how would I respond? And if that were to happen, how would I respond? And once I did that process, those fears lost their grip on me. And when those fears lost their grip on me, uh, an amazing consciousness expansion happened for me personally. And so now I really want everybody to have the benefit of that. So instead of um, a lot of New Agey people will look at something scary and they'll just kind of shut, shut down away from it and they'll start saying positive affirmations, they'll turn away from it, but they don't really deal with it. They don't really look at it and see themselves passing through it successfully to the other side so that the fear loses its grip on them. They just kind of avoid it or suppress it. 
And uh, so then that's what I mean about back to the shadow work uh, situation. If you go deep inside yourself and you confront those things and you see yourself, create a visualization where you see yourself moving through the situation and responding to it step by step successfully and moving through to the other side, then that fear can lose its grip on you forever. And then you can have that consciousness expansion. And because we're in such a critical time right now on this planet where there's all these forces that are actually helping that along, uh, I just would like, you know, to help people with that even more to, you know, process their fears so that those fears never have a grip on them again and then they can have that consciousness expansion because the expansion of consciousness turns on all of our latent DNA. We have 97% non-coding DNA. So that's 97% we don't use. The scientists have called it junk DNA because they don't know what it's for. But there has also been uh, research done by Francis Crick, who won the Nobel Prize for decoding the DNA molecule, where he decided that this DNA did not come through the upward evolutionary tree of evolution. Um, he said that it had to come from extraterrestrials. So here we have the, basically the father of modern genetics saying that this extra ET we have didn't come from any place else except off-planet. And so we have this extraterrestrial DNA and our consciousness turns on more and more of our DNA. And uh, so this consciousness evolution, setting aside fear so consciousness can expand, to me is a very, very important concept. Exactly. And I couldn't agree more. And you know what's coming up for me, and I don't know if you want to talk about this or not, or but is that I've heard that Crick and a lot of other people had experimented with um, some of the teacher plants, and that's how they came up with some of these interesting ideas. Yeah, um, I hadn't heard one, of that part of it. Yeah, that this is one of those uh, ways that people can contact um, beings in other densities rather than dimensions, mm-hmm. other densities, is through the teacher plants, and that's one of the reasons that in Western society our consciousness is so... Um, shut down and limited is because we've not taken advantage of these um, naturally occurring tools which Mm -hmm. the indigenous people have all along. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's true. I know that um, uh, Fred Allen Wolf, who was also in What the Bleep, he wrote a book years, years ago, quite a few years ago, called The Eagle's Quest. He's a quantum physicist that was seeing all the the new science, you know, quantum effects in the laboratory, the observer effect. And finally he felt like he had reached the very limit of what he could learn in an empirical scientific setting that he had to take that leap into his own experience. And so he went to South America and did ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. And for that, for him, that filled in a lot of uh, material that he just couldn't get to empirically in the laboratory. You know, he had to really take a dive into his own consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I think uh, there's, I, yeah. there's a lot of that out there that's underreported. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, well, so the other thing, to, uh, that, go ahead. I was going to ask you what you want to talk about next. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, um, the other thing that I wanted to uh, bring up here. Um, just to get people thinking about this a little bit, is um, I, I re, in, in preparation for our interview today, I rewatched um, a little segment of uh, Down the Rabbit Hole from What the Bleep. And uh, there was one of the scientists there, Stuart Hameroff, uh, quoted something to this effect. He said that subconscious, subconscious quantum entanglement between people, groups, societies, cultures, and and in politics have profound implications on the way our world runs. And I would like people to start thinking a little bit about if our mind, our thought, and our intention create the world that we live in and the world we see from from day to day, and then we watch 
the television and we watch newspapers, we read newspapers, and we look at the media. And, you know, usually the things we get dished up from the government all the time are fear, 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 fear. War, terrorism, uh, swine flu, vaccinations. I mean, they're constantly uh, dishing up fear material. Financial collapse. What now? Financial collapse. That's another fear. Financial collapse, yeah. That's another big scary one for people. Really threatens right in the survival area. Mm -hmm. So if they are constantly feeding this information, uh, I have to know that people up in, way up in the government are really smart and maybe they've had a, gri- uh, a grip on the information and what the bleep and the secret for a long time. Even in the secret, they mentioned that little blurb where the rich and powerful wanted to keep the law of attraction material with the few of them and have everybody else on a treadmill. They mentioned that very briefly in the secret. Yeah, so, right at the beginning. Yeah. So if that's true, and these people have had this uh, special esoteric knowledge, so to speak, then it could be, you know, I hate to, you know, allude that people would be that bad, but it could be that they are actually dishing up fear through the media and through their control of the information we receive by design to keep creating a world, to have us spin out of our vital creative spiritual energy to keep spinning out a world, a matrix-like world, that keeps them on top and in power. And so if we can pull our energy away from the television and all the fear messages that we're getting all around us all the time and begin to envision something more, something new, something better, you know, the kind of world of love and peace and connection that I think so many of the people listening to this show would want, then I think we can withdraw our creative energy into this thing that they've been making us create with our consciousness uh, by dishing up all this fear information to something entirely new. And that's an idea I really want to get out there because I really want to see this beautiful expansion of consciousness take place as we're passing through this portal right now up to 2012. Yeah, I don't watch the news. Haven't in years and years and years. Yeah, me either. I watch anything. It's all fantasy. (laughs) I I just watch fantasy, stuff that's Mm -hmm. not real. (laughs) That's all I allow myself to watch. And so when you say people in the government are feeding us all of this, you don't mean anybody whose names we already know, though, do you? Um. Or do you mean well? I could name names, but you know, I think all we have government or or people we know. Um, well, the problem is, is the shadow government has stepped more and more out of the shadows. Oh. Um, I think the, the Bush-Cheney administration was the most public face of the shadow government we've ever had. Uh-huh. And, uh, I mean, basically these people staged a political coup, stole elections, seized control of the most powerful country in the world, and then proceeded to... Uh, brandish that power like a bully with a club in the world. Yep. And uh, so, and and they they really have done an awful lot of stuff uh, to take away our constitutional rights, to abridge our constitutional rights. Um, the Patriot Act was like the most unpatriot act that you could possibly imagine because it's it was the beginning of the abridgment of our constitutional rights. And our rights really have not been restored under Obama. I mean, I want to believe that Obama is really a good guy, but he really has a lot to do to prove to me that he's not one of the the people that's uh, trying to manipulate uh, the public for their own ends. Yeah, maybe um, that he, when he was elected, it was too late. The deed was already done. Well, I figure two things are possible. Either he is one of these shadow government people or... He got into office and suddenly realized that he was going to have to be a puppet for them and there was nothing he could do about it. One of those two things. Yeah, I've said for a long time that I don't think there have been presidents in a very, very long time who really, once they got into office, were able to do what they wanted to do because there were things going on that prevented it. Right. Um, Here's one of my theories. Here is one of my major theories, I've been saying this for about 15 years, what happens to one superpower happens to the other superpower. Look what happened to Russia 
out of the blue. Financial Mm -hmm. collapse break up into a bunch of small countries. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is going to happen to us. Well, yeah, I had an email the other day that uh, talked about secessionist talk from some of the states. So Mm -hmm. it's possible. The thing is, is, um, if if you step back from all of this, and you look from a real, real eagle-eye cosmic sort of view, um, you can look at it as evolutionary pressure. I mean, the shadow government used to work behind the scenes. Um, Maybe we can have another show (laughs) where I tell you how I think the shadow government got started. But um, it's been working behind the scenes for a long time. Um, It really showed its face with the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and then it went back in the shadows. But I don't think since Kennedy we've really had a president that um, really had the best interests of the people at heart. You and know, so I once, I once heard that uh, Jimmy Carter told somebody he couldn't tell anyone about alien contact because he didn't want to end up like John Kennedy. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we have the the thing that happened with Kennedy, and then for all intents and purposes, the shadow government went back into the shadows. And then, you know, our democracy kind of creaked along for a while and so on and so forth. And then um, the Clinton administration uh, had problems, and then after that we had the Bush-Cheney administration. And... uh, and, and then it started coming more and more out of the shadows. The, the control that they try to exert on the public is getting more and more overt and less covert. And so basically, when you look at that from a cos- on a cosmic scale, people are starting to wake up. I remember I was, re- I was meditating the morning that Bush was finally going to be president. You know, the Supreme Court made their ruling. Uh, they weren't going to count anymore. Uh, ballots and Bush was given the presidency and I was sitting meditating that morning I was so angry and my guides said very clearly and very quietly in my head they said Bush is the right man in the right place at the right time because he is president a lot of people are going to wake up and they were absolutely right Mm -hmm. so the more the shadow government steps out of the shadows the more people wake up the more people look at that and say, whoa, this isn't what I want. This isn't what I signed on for. And people are waking up. People are actually waking up in droves all around the world because of that administration. So my guides were absolutely right. A lot of people have woke up because of that. And the the term that I apply to that is evolutionary pressure. So the more the shadow government comes out of the shadow, the more they, they step into the light trying to exert their control, the more people wake up to what they're up to. So they actually could be applying the pressure to accelerate our evolution in consciousness. Because the more they step into the light, the more people see what they're up to and the more people wake up. They're stepping into the light because they think they've got enough control over us now that we can't do anything. Either that or they're stepping into the light because they're desperate to maintain control because Ooh. they know it's slipping away. And I like that one They're better. desperate to maintain. Hmm. So, um, that's kind of what I think. But I, I just feel like people have to be free. People, People's consciousness has to be free to go every which, every way that it wants to go. And this control just builds up pressure on a consciousness that needs to be free. And that pressure builds up over time. And human consciousness could go supernova in its expansion because of the pressure that's being applied to it. So I would just say to each individual person who's listening, um, look at what's happening in the world around you. What is it showing you about what you really want? Because... The shadow government is really a, a part of our own shadow or inside of ourselves. So if it's happening out there and you look at it and you think, yuck, I don't like that, then in that yuck is a choice for you, is an individual choice for each one of us to say, I want a world that operates this way. And then that way we all envision the world that we want 
to have rather than the one that's being shown to us, and we use that collectively as our shadow work to help to help banish the shadow and then create the world that we really want in our thought, in our consciousness, and in our intention. And we do that collectively, we have the best chance of making that happen. Wow. So you mentioned earlier things that happened to you in the military. Do you want to talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, um, it's a long story, so I'll try to make it a little briefer. Basically, um, I was talking to a friend one day about my military time and discovered I had three months of missing time. Three months? Three months, yeah. Wow. And um, I couldn't remember anything about any specific details about that time whatsoever. I could tell you only that I worked out at Nevada test site um, doing radar missions, uh, training pilots to fly against radar, but I couldn't remember where I worked. I couldn't remember the place. I couldn't remember the people. I couldn't remember any details whatsoever. And with that realization came a wave of nausea. And uh, so some time went by, and I had an opportunity to have a hypnosis session with Bud Hopkins, who's very well known in the field of abduction research. Yeah. And so I had the hypnosis, and what came tumbling out uh, when we focused in on that time was me standing on the deck of a radar van uh, in the middle of the night uh, looking up and seeing saucers up there. And we were we had just tried to track the saucers with our auto-track radar, and uh, they couldn't be tracked. We were given fatigue, fatigues to wear with no rank insignia, no name tags, no identifying marks of any kind, and we were forbidden to speak to each other beyond what was necessary to run the test. And then we were taken to what I believe was Area 51 to a medical facility. Um, at that point, I uh, was taken into a little room. I was given an injection. And uh, that, was, that was as far as I went with that experience with Bud. Uh, later on, I went into uh, more hypnosis sessions with Gloria Hawker to fill in what happened after that. And what happened after that was I was drugged down an extremely long staircase to some underground uh, facility. I was shoved in a little room uh, that was like an observation booth, and I was watched while I went through the effects of the injection, which was very traumatic. And I was still shaking from the effects of the injection when I was dragged out of that room by two security guards, and I was raped in front of eight people. And uh, so it was pretty severe trauma. Um, Getting over that took years because we live in a society that doesn't want to even accept that those kinds of things can happen. And so trying to be a member of my society, I kept trying to push this away for a long time, but I couldn't push it away. I couldn't forget about it. but there was no support around me, really, for trying to work with those memories. And uh, finally, I did find someone. uh, When I moved to Durango, I found a really gifted healer here who I said, you know, I have this really strange stuff and I really need to work through it, but you're probably going to think it's too strange. And she said, well, just tell me about it and we'll just see what we can do. And to her credit, she didn't judge it. She worked with it. And I think now since she's worked with me, she's run into more things that point to the fact that what happened to me really was real. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I first had the hypnosis myself, I didn't want to believe it was real either. Um, But in trying to want to understand what happened to me and in what context it could have happened, I started doing my own reading and my own research And I found a whole lot more uh, material out there that corroborated what happened to me than not. And so, you know, you're rattling around with this trauma going on inside of you, and, uh, and it wants to resolve. See, this is another thing, because... Um, I've always been a spiritual person from the cradle up. It's just been part of who I am. So, thank God, that was the larger container for everything that happened to me. So when I finally set out to heal from this, 
um, I did that from that spiritual perspective. I did that from that knowing of interconnectedness that I've had since I was a child. And it really helped me to put things back together. And I hope that uh, there's, that in some way I can help other people put that back together who have had to go through some severe or extraordinary trauma. Um, because there's no reason to live your life out with that with uh, post- post-traumatic stress disorder rattling around in your body forever. You know, mm-hmm. you can resolve it. You can move past it. So that's what I mean when I tell people, really, don't suppress your fears. Don't push them away. Don't plaster over them with positive affirmations. Face fully into them. Move through them, and they will lose their grip on you forever. I couldn't be talking to you today if I had not done that process. I couldn't be publicly talking about this today if I had not done that. So let me get really clear in my mind. Mm -hmm. You weren't abducted. You were taken underground in a military or quasi-military setting. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to make sure I understood you. Now, I have been an abductee since childhood also. Mm-hmm. And I think the military knew that. And I think that's why they wanted me to do that radar test. They may have thought that I had some special ability to uh, be connected with those ships or those ETs flying the ships mm-hmm. because I was an abductee. And Melinda Leslie has done a lot of research into that area that the military is very interested in people who are abductees because they think they have special abilities or some kind of special, um, I guess, abilities is the best word. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but she says that they actually try to reverse engineer abductees. They try to find out why we're different, what it is about us that the ETs want, and then they try to uh, work with recreating that in some in some way. So it's... Um, it's a pretty deep hole, <laughs> yeah. and if you don't have to crawl in there, I wouldn't, but I would just say to people in general that um, if there are things that you know that you're afraid of, um, get them out, face them, move, do what you can to move through them. Um, I have a life coaching practice. Um, I'm certainly here to help people work with that if they want, um, but, you know, in one way or another, uh, Try to work through your fears so that they lose their grip on you. Because once they lose their grip on you, then your consciousness can just expand without impediment. So it just occurs to me, do you have any kind of CD or anything people could use in order, or have you thought of creating one that people could use in order to begin to access Hidden memories, or do you even think that's um, I have been thinking of creating a CD for that. I haven't done it yet. Um, I have uh, some back problems. I just came through uh, a pretty bad session of back pain, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to write a book. Um, I'm going to be speaking at the UFO Congress. Um, I hope the book will be done by June. That's uh, my new my new deadline is to have the book finished by June. And I would also like to create a CD that would help people face and move through their fears. And uh, one of the things that really helped me move through my fears, because, you know, one of the things I was afraid of, well, if I start talking about this, is somebody going to kill me? Yeah, Um, I would think that would be a fear. It is a big fear. But because of my spiritual focus, before I ever went in the military, I had an out-of-body experience. And the thing that validated it for me was it, like, it was like nothing I would have possibly imagined while in the body. When I was out of the body, I could see 360 degrees. And see is just a relative term. It was more like my awareness stretched out 360 degrees. And when I wanted to look at something, um, it was like all these little points of light in my consciousness came together, coalesced, and then would point where I wanted to look because I looked at my body sitting back on the sofa and it looked so, so far away. Mm-hmm. So I had the out-of-body experience and for me it was absolutely real. It was irrefutable in my experience. 
Um, so I knew that I'm not. I knew that I was not my body. I know that I'm not my body. So when I finally worked through the fear of death, I just thought, well, if the worst was to happen and you did die, you know that you're not going to be gone. You know that you're not your body. Your body is your spacesuit for this incarnation, as Ramdas says. Um, and you just wear the body, and then you leave it, and you and the body, you know. Uh, goes returns away to the and, earth. The body yeah, returns, returns to the, the earth. earth. Yeah, so I'm I'm not my body. So that helped me overcome the fear of death. Of course, I'd like to stay in my body, and you know, walk through this amazing experience that we're having on this planet right now. But you know, if it comes if if it comes to pass that I drop my body, okay, well I I'm going to continue. And so that that was how I dealt with that fear. I think that's a really great way to deal with it, and I'm really happy you had the out-of-body experience. I used to call the physical body when my kids were growing up, I referred to it as their earth suit. And when they would go out to play, I'd say, take care of the earth suit. Yeah. (laughs) Uh I say that to my my parrot. I have a parrot who likes to play, and sometimes he gets pretty rough, and I tell him, be careful of your bird body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what else would you like to talk about today? Okay, well, um, well, there's uh, one other thing that would be good to talk about. Um, um, I call it resonance, dissonance, and discernment. Mm-hmm. And um, this is something I've been I've been toying with the idea of doing some YouTube videos where I would just kind of teach a little class on some of these things. And um, so resonance and dissonance is something that we feel in our body. Um, Our body is, um, of course, two-thirds to three-quarters water. And if you set a glass of water on a table and you drum your fingers next to it or even, you know, scream at it or whatever, the vibration registers in that water. So vibrations also register in the water of our bodies. So our bodies, uh, between our DNA and the water that makes up our bodies, are kind of crystalline, fluid uh, receiver transmitters. Okay, so we're a focal point where uh, the creator or God um, is learning about itself through us. We're, each one of us is a little, has a little spark of God consciousness within us. And it and it broke itself into these pieces that we call our individual selves to learn about the universe and to learn about things in relation to other things. And so in the resonance, dissonance, and discernment thing, it's about learning what incoming information that's coming to you is true or not true. So if you look at truth and you just look at the anatomy of truth, truth is just a clear, ringing, resonant vibration, whatever kind of truth it is. I mean, there's probably one central truth and then a lot of truths that flow from that. But it's one clear, ringing, resonant vibration. And so then if you try to bring in untruth, uh, basically what you have to do with, with that is you have to try to obscure truth. So you have truth, and then untruth tries to come in and obscure truth. So it causes a uh, different kind of vibration. And I wish I had a, a musical thing here with me. But anybody out there who has uh, any access to a keyboard can learn to what this feels like in the body real easily. Okay, so if you go to a keyboard and you... Um, sound a chord of music uh, that's harmonious. It feels really good. It feels good in your body. And then if you uh, take two notes that are really, you know, right next to each other, two together, you know, something like that, and you strike those, you have the true note, and then you have the one that's off in vibration just enough to create a third uh, kind of dissonant tone that feels yucky in the body. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 
So, um, so this is a good way to just play play a harmonious chord, and then play a discord on a keyboard, and feel how it feels inside you, and that's going to give you a really good clue as to incoming information and how it's going to feel to your body. And uh, people, let's say shadow government again, um, if they want you to swallow something that's not true, um, that has a dissonant vibration. They always try to marry it to something that is true because they know that the true thing has a resonant vibration that's going to feel good to people. It's going to feel right. So if they can attach an untruth to it, um, it's like sugarcoating a, uh, a pill that tastes bad. So they will, they will try to get you to accept something uh, by attaching something that's true to something that's untrue and get you to um, to swallow well, it that way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like sugar-coating poison. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So, um, so learning about resonance and dissonance and then using your discernment between the two is another thing that I think is really important. Um, using the notes on the keyboard is one way to train your body how one feels in relation to the other, and um, then just paying attention. And sometimes um, we have these wonderful minds with all their inductive and deductive reasoning and logic and everything else like that, but mind noise really gets in the way. So meditation is another way to quiet the mind. And uh, just like Vipassana, focusing on the breath, the inflow and the outflow of the breath to quiet the mind is is a good way. Um, Using a standard uh, chime, like an e-chime, you know, just striking that, that can have a nice calming effect to the mind and kind of let the sound drop. Mantras can sometimes do that too. Um, But just developing the ability to clear the mind and quiet the mind so that the voice of our intuition can come through. Because intuition doesn't really operate in a manner of deductive or inductive reasoning or logic. Uh, it's just there. Um, and I'm learning because, you know, setting aside my own fear was such a, uh, an important step in my own consciousness uh, expansion that now I'm learning to pay attention to these subtle little impulses that come in. Um, so I'll get a subtle impulse, like this morning I woke up and had some back pain, and immediately, without any reasoning or logic to it or figuring out, um, the thought popped into my head, inversion table. Um, so I came and I got on the inversion table. I followed that impulse. Mm-hmm. And there's so many impulses we get that our logical mind tromps on and says, oh, you don't have time to do that right now. You have to do this. Um, That if we can just set aside that logical mind and follow our impulses, um, I think we would find we would develop a much richer relationship with our intuition. And I would advise people to follow their impulses in a way that is not threatening to them. So if you have an impulse to maybe take a walk or do something or anything else like that, um, go ahead and follow it and develop that relationship and that level of trust with your intuition. And then uh, as it gives you more challenging things to act on impulse for, then then you can uh, decide whether to trust it more and more as you progress with it. Mm-hmm. So... Do you think it's possible that beings from other dimensional frequencies or star systems or whatever communicate with some people on this planet telepathically? Oh, yes, absolutely. To teach Um, them things? Yeah, I believe that uh, implicitly. I think it's happening with me. Um, There are pictures of what I call light ships that I've taken from my bedroom window. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are really beautiful. Um, and what will happen to me is I'll wake up very suddenly like a startle awake at about 3, 3.30 in the morning, and, and and I'll immediately look out the window and there will be this brilliant strobing light out there. 
um, flashing in colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I've just astrally come back to my body after being out there on that on that light ship. And um, this isn't just my experience. This is happening with so many people. And another thing, um, there's so many uh, other phenomena that are happening that I think are a symptom of the... Uh, of the merging of 3D and 4D uh, on this planet, like the orb phenomenon. That's oh, just yeah. being taken off. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are seeing orbs now with their naked eye, not just with the camera. Really? Yeah. I thought that was just me. No, <laughs> no that's <laughs> happening for quite a few people now. And then there's this other thing that happens that, you know, the easy explanation is it's tinnitus, you know, but a lot of people are getting... Uh, a very insistent uh, modulating ringing tone in their ears, mm-hmm. and um, and I've had mine now very steadily for at least three years, yeah. uh, probably closer to four. I used to only hear it out in the quiet of nature, but the last four years it's really been much more prominent. It gets more prominent at night when it's bedtime, almost as if it's saying, okay, it's time for you to go to sleep now because we want you to come out and travel with us. Um, David Wilcock has talked about it, um, about traveling on uh, on, this, on this sound uh, and, and doing astral travel with by focusing on it. But a lot of people are, are hearing this ringing tone in their ear. And so I think with that and the orb phenomenon and some of the other things uh, going on in our world, it could be that our consciousness is bumping up against the boundaries of 3D and crossing into fourth dimension or fourth density uh, as this consciousness expansion uh, takes place. The you know, I, I do energy medicine, and I have for about almost eight years now. Well, prior to that, if you count Reiki as energy medicine, it's been 22 years. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so I've been hearing that ringing for a very long time, very long time. Mm-hmm. And what I notice is that it modulates or changes depending on the intensity of the energy in the room at the time. So if someone's mm-hmm. doing healing work on me or I'm doing healing work on someone else, I can hear it. It yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. It changes in pitch and tone and loudness. And and it's not just one tone. It's a multiplicity of tones. Yeah, it's together. like a harmony of tones. Uh-huh. Yeah. The music and is Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. I know I'm a, I'm a Reiki master myself. And the other thing that I would say to people from my work as a Reiki practitioner is that every single person I've ever worked on has guides. Oh, yeah. And I'm so aware of those guides when I work on people and the energy comes through me and then that person's guides take that energy and they apply it wherever that person needs it the most. Mm-hmm. So I would just say to people, don't ever think that you don't have help and you don't have uh, guides and, and celestial beings watching over you. You all, all of us, all have them. Yeah, and they're just and, waiting and, to be asked to help too. Right, and I'll tell you something else. My guides said to me one time um, because usually when I ask them something, I only get two words of the question formed, and the answer is there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I asked them about that one time, and they and they said, we're always ready with answers. But we have to wait for you to ask, because when yep. you ask, then you have the receptivity to receive it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they told me recently also to listen with my whole body and to not just listen with my mind. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Where was it I was reading very recently that your whole body is your subconscious mind. Yeah, uh, a lot of information it. is stored. That, that's one of the reasons for obesity is a lot of emotions are stored in the body and fat is yeah. a tissue yeah. that stores emotion. I absolutely believe that. I, so I really more, think that's true. The more we stuff mm-hmm. emotionally, you know, the more adipose tissue we've got to take on and mm-hmm. it stores toxins as well, the fat does. But... Um, so I, you mentioned earlier maybe talking again on the show about, what was it, um, doing another show? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, how well, the shadow I, government formed. Yeah, how the shadow government formed. Yeah, we got a few minutes. I guess I could say a little bit about that. Well, I was going to ask um, you, do you want to do another show? Oh, yeah, we could. We definitely could. That would be fun. What about next week? Are you busy? Next week. Um, next Friday. Let's see. My calendar here. Um, I think that it would work out. Um, I try not to put too many things on my calendar because i got so much to do with um, well, we'll the UFO Congress coming up here. But. Yeah, we can email about that later, but I do want to... I do want to talk to you again if you're willing to do that. Yeah. Um, okay, sure. So you um, do you work as a life coach and you do energy medicine? Yeah. Um, I don't do so much Reiki anymore unless I feel like it's called for in my mm-hmm. practice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have uh, body-centered life coaching skills where um, I'll help people stay with what they're feeling and not wander away from it or suppress it. Um, sometimes with difficult emotions, you do need somebody to coach you to stay with them so that that energy cycle has a chance to complete in the body and not get shoved to the side and, and stuffed again. And so that's part of what I do. I have a blog uh, at WordPress called Encounters with Healing, and there's little pages and links there that I've created so people can see what body-centered coaching is all about. And uh, I just want I just want help to help people be everything they can be, mm-hmm. and uh, you know anything that I can do to to help people expand their consciousness and become all of who they are. That's what I want. So are you you're working in Colorado, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. which but which I can part? work by telephone, mm-hmm. you know, as well. I do phone work as well. Okay. So how would they get in touch with you? Well, um, the email for getting in touch with me would be movebreathe at gmail.com. Move, breathe. Move, breathe. Yeah, don't forget the E on the end of breathe. So move, breathe as if one word mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Okay. And uh, that would be the best way to get a hold of me. So tell me what is the book that you're writing, what's it about? Um, it's about my experiences as an abductee and my experiences uh, in the military and then my healing from the, all the experiences and kind of, you know, it's a shamanic sort of process to reintegrate uh, your life after something like that. So there's part one, the experiences, part two, the healing journey, and then part three, all the insights and awakenings that I've had as a result of undertaking the healing journey. And the book is called uh, Facing the Shadow, Embracing the Light. Beautiful title. Thank you. We've got about one minute remaining on this show before we they cut us off. So is there anything else you want to say? No, just... Um, Cultivate joy. (laughs) Do everything you can in your life to cultivate joy. Excellent. Thank you for being with us. And I want to thank Mm -hmm. everybody who listened for um, listening today and everybody who's going to listen in the archives. Thanks for being Mm -hmm. with us. Thank you very much, Lois. I appreciate it. All right. Talk Mm -hmm. to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.